0: If you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 22. And um, Actually, if you don't have a Bible, um, we now have some new ones out in the comments, um, some ESV Bibles, and also it'll be on the screen behind me. Um, Before I get started, uh, you may not have been in the loop of how incredibly crazy this week has been. Um, on, uh, just to give you a a little synopsis of it, it has just been a whirlwind and I've been on a roller coaster all week. Um, And just kind of the loop of what's uh, gone on, Tuesday early morning about 5 a.m., my brother uh, was uh, found having um, an intense grand mal seizure. He has epilepsy and so uh, his medication was up and down and so um, the gist of it was my parents found him, rushed him to Skagit Hospital where uh, they tried to pump him full of, uh, anti-seizure medication because he wasn't really taking it. Um, and and uh, so basically from that, they had to put him in a medically induced coma. Um, and technically, they put him on life support. Um, so you can imagine the intensity of that, transferring then him from Skagit to Providence um, and him being in the medically induced coma. And um, from Tuesday morning to uh, Thursday morning, he was in that coma just trying to recover because he had actually had 12 grand mal seizures after that. And so they don't know between Monday night and Tuesday morning how many he might have had. They, they kind of assumed three to four and then 12 on top of that. And, and what they said was a, a 40-year-old man and older, 40-year-old woman and older would not have survived this. Um, so they kept saying youth is on his side and I said, yeah, uh, we got something bigger than youth, so... <laughs> Yeah, we, God wins. Um, so it, just to share with you that and, and just the, the final update, you know, we had been pushing updates on Facebook. Um, Jonathan got transferred out of the CCU. He, he uh, Thursday morning, was pulled out of the coma, and that was rough, absolutely rough. And um, what we're talking about today, I thought, man, I don't know how to tie that in. We're talking about the wall of hostility that's been broken down uh, through Christ, um, And I will tell you that over the last couple years, my brother and I were totally at odds, totally in two different camps and and, uh, didn't see eye to eye on anything, anything. And uh, God has restored our relationship. He has, uh, I just love that kid so much, even when he drives me nuts. Um, And uh, he woke up from the coma and uh, I got to play a really specific role because he opened his eyes, saw me, and I was the one who, who got to be in there. That was really intense because you know, you're trying to restrain someone who's just had a tube pulled out of their throat and, and not knowing where they are. But it was just incredible and, and really uh, just seeing how in those moments, how God really was working. You know, and, and him just being like, uh, you know, like I want out of here, I don't wanna be here. And I was like, we tried it your way, we're doing it my way now. I'm the bigger brother, this is how it's gonna go. And that was really intense and... and um, him, he, he's now awake, um, and he is doing well, and the plan is that he'll be released tonight um, and coming home. So that's really incredible, and God is good. They, they see no, uh, little to no signs of brain damage. Um, we were expecting for him to maybe come out a vegetable and maybe even not survive this, and so that's been pretty incredible, um, and so as we talk today, there's so much that I just feel God has been at work at this week, um, but I feel uh, fried. I mean, I feel like, you know, like when you eat fair food and then you go on like a huge roller coaster and you're like, let's never do that again. <laughs> I feel like that right now. Um, and, uh, but, but I just want you to know too, I'm here by choice, not because I had to be, okay? So just so you know that, I even told my brother, I, I went down and did message prep right by his side uh, yesterday yesterday. Um, but I said, I'm going back to preach. I'm gonna tell him about how you were doing. And he said, you know, don't show photos, don't tell it on. I said, well, tough luck. You don't get to decide anymore. So I'm making the calls, I'm the bigger brother. So uh, just to share that with you and uh, how he's doing. And so I'm here because I love you. I'm here because I want to preach the word, um, not because I have to. Many men have stepped up and offered in our network and our, our landlord pastor um, you know, because we rent from another church. He texted me and said, hey, I know we're from different denominations, but if you need me to come preach, you know, I'll, I'll preach within your guidelines, you know, and, and him saying, I'm available to you. So we, we've had so much prayer, so much support. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, I'm grateful for that. So um, we're gonna look at, at the final part of Ephesians chapter two today in verse 11 through 22. So as you turn there, let me share with you that in our culture, you don't have to look too far to discover walls of hostility that divide people, right? It's very easy to see when, when, there are divi- when there's division and dividing walls, and in our world, there are, there are so many things that we're divided over, and whatever the argument it, that it is, we typically find ourselves in, in two different camps, we find ourselves in one of two camps and we see these as specific categories. So in these two camps, you'll see Democrat, Republican, you'll see a liberal, conservative, you'll see those voting for PC, those voting for Mac computers, um, those who are uh, Arminian, those who are Calvinist, we've talked about this, and, and some who say, I'm for this issue or I'm against this issue. And so these are the two camps that we see all throughout culture and this is exactly the issue that Paul is addressing to the church that before Christ there was a wall of hostility that now had been broken in Christ. And in fact, we see this not only in the spiritual issue but also with a physical issue. We see this with the temple. That the temple sat in the heart of Jerusalem, and the Jews would often walk many, many miles. They'd, they'd walk to this place to meet God, and arriving at the base of the hill, they would wash themselves and get clean, and then they would cover and dress themselves in white, and they would sing the Psalms of Ascent that you can find in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, and then they would walk all the way up to the temple, far up at the top of the hill, So this is a a long journey. If you wanted to meet with God, you had to take this long journey and and the presence of God, the holy of holies would be at the center and and they'd be trying to purify themselves from sin and prepare their hearts to then meet with God. And so they would come literally as close as they humanly could, without dying because they're sinners. And so therefore they could not be in the presence of a holy God. In fact, priests would go in to the holies, of holies, to the center of the temple, and when they went in, they had a rope tied around their legs, so if they died as a sinner, if they died in the presence of God, they could pull them back out rather than sending more in to just die. And so here's the wall of hostility. There's many walls then that were still in place with the temple, but they would try to get as close to God as they could without dying. And they would offer sacrifices. They would confess their sins and animals would die in this process of sacrifice and and blood would be shed. And there were courtyards in this temple. If you look up a picture of this temple, there's many, there's at the center, the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was. And then there were many courtyards. And the first was called the Court of Israel, which meant that only circumcised men were allowed, only circumcised Jewish men. And I don't know how you regulate that, but apparently these are the only men that can be in there. I know, but that's kind of how my brain works. So just go with it. And and, and so these are the courtyards. And then the next courtyard was the court of women. And again, only Jewish women could go in there. Only Jewish women. And then finally, way on the outside was the court of Gentiles. And so if you were not a Jew, you were not welcome in the temple. You and I fit into the category. If you don't have a lineage of, of being a Jew, of being an Israelite, then you like us, are on the outside. You are Gentiles. So we together, as Paul references, the Gentiles who were separated, that's you and I. And so Paul speaks, as we'll read, he speaks of a wall of hostility, and it's both a physical wall and it's a spiritual wall because there's separation of Jew and Gentile, which was the physical between those two humans, and then there's the separation And the hostility between God and man, and that's the spiritual separation. And so in our text this week, we're going to see a a breakdown of these two. I mean, quite literally, we're going to see the breakdown. And Paul's going to bring it back and and really show the before and the after of the hostility and the division. And he's going to bring it back to the fact that we are no longer in two different camps, but united in one body, which is Christ's. And so we're no longer divided. We're no longer in these two different camps. We're together in Christ because division and sin and death came in Adam, the first man, as we talked about in the first week. But in Christ comes a new life and reconciliation of division. And so as we read our text, what we're gonna see for our sentence is that we are reconciled by Christ, the cornerstone, which gives us access to the Father. And so if you're taking notes, you can write that down. We are reconciled by Christ, the cornerstone, which gives us access to the Father. And we're gonna read Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at, one, at that time separated from Christ, "'one new man in place of the two, so making peace, "'and might reconcile us both to God "'in one body through the cross, "'thereby killing the hostility. "'And he came and preached peace to you "'who were far off and peace to those who were near. "'For through him we both have access "'in one spirit to the Father. "'So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, "'but you are fellow citizens with the saints "'and members of the household of God.' built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so here, right now, Paul really says, listen, you Gentiles who were far off, you Jews who are near, he's saying now Jew and Gentile are reconciled in Christ. You and I are reconciled in Christ and, and amazingly and undeservingly, us together and God are reconciled in Christ. But the hostility here that Paul's talking about is not just a a little issue, just kind of a little tiff between friends. This hostility here was deep. It was great. In fact, it was so great that if a Jewish man or a Jewish woman came across a Gentile woman giving birth and she was struggling, they they were encouraged not to help the Gentile woman because you would be aiding in bringing another Gentile into the world. So there's a lot of hostility here. I mean, in fact, one Jewish leader once said the only reason God made Gentiles was that he wanted kindling for hell. This this hostility here is intense, very intense. But hostility here, as Paul says, is a good word. And what we have in Christ is that it is then killed. In verse 17, Paul says that he, being Jesus, came and preached peace to those who were both far off and those that were near. And those that were near, as he says, are the Jews. They were the ones in this text, kind of as we saw from the temple. These are the ones who are religiously trying to work out their salvation, really trying to get to God and trying to do better and really failing at it. And, and we see this all throughout the Old Testament, that they're not doing well to get back to God. And those far were the Gentiles on the outer skirts of that courtyard, not near and not made new in Christ. And so these, these did not have access and, and they were viewed as the uncircumcised so they were not chosen by God and not, they were not living in the family of God. And here Paul really is telling these two camps of people that although they have two different backgrounds that really explain them, this no longer defines them. This may explain them but it no longer defines them because all of us near and far are brought near together in Christ. So not two different camps, not two different people, one person, Jesus Christ. So some of you can relate to, to the difference between those near and those far. I mean, for you, maybe for you, you kind of have that story of being religiously near, where you grew up in church, mom and dad woke you up early, and, and they laid out your, your nice clothes for Sunday, that's what you were to wear, and you were dress to impress and you would, you would go to church and you went to Awanas and you knew all the Bible verses and you had so many, so many patches and so many wards. I mean, you look like Patton, right? I mean, you're so decked out and, and, and this is you. This is you who was religiously near and you worked hard for your salvation and you were always really trying to do more. You always had to stay busy or else. You kind of had the debtor's view that if I do more, if I do better, God will love me. God will save me. And in the midst of all of that, being brought near, you see that Jesus met you where you were at, in your religiosity, in your religion, and he brought you into relationship. And some of you were saved that were, that were near-ish. And, and what I mean by that is you didn't really grow up in the church just kind of. And, and mom and dad might have woken you, up, woken you up to go to church, but it was late. Nothing was laid out on the bed. You more just pulled stuff out of the hamper. Yeah, that's good. And you just kind of went to church on the way. Mom and dad are bickering on the way there. Dad's cursing up a storm, which is probably where you learn to swear, in the car on the way to church. And then you get there, and you act like everything's fine and, and for some of you, you were, you were involved in church, you, you, and for you, you can recite all the church lingo. You know all the church gossip. You know how all of the things come together. And in fact, the scary thing is you know all of that better than you know scripture. You know all of that better than your courage and bravery and commitment to prayer and public prayer. So you didn't, for you, maybe being near-ish, you didn't see a Christ-centered life lived out. For you, you just saw stress and anxiety and frustration and fear and really a a distaste for God's people. And so for you, you, you maybe felt the staleness of the church gathering and you never felt like you matched up to the kid in Awanas. Like you didn't make the cut, man, I'll never be like them. And you felt like you were falling short. And when you're brought near in the midst of that, Crying out to God, I feel exhausted, I can't do this anymore. And and, and Jesus just brings you near to him. And I've got you. I've got you. Come near. I've got you. I love you. And he saved you. And so that's the person who maybe for you you relate as being near-ish. And then some of you were saved who were really far off. And what I mean is, is really, for you, you didn't, you didn't grow up in the church at all. You've had a church story, but it's really freaky. And you don't want to tell it here because someone might try to reenact that for you. And it's just really hard, and you don't want that brought up. And for you, you've never really experienced what the body of Christ active together was like. You were far off. Maybe for you, getting caught up in, in substance, maybe meaningless relationships, trying to fill this space in your life that you never knew was Jesus. And you were far off outside in this other court all by yourself and not knowing what to do. And you kept trying to find your identity and all these other things, and then you met Jesus. And understanding He is what fills your life, He is the identity that you put in, put yourself in. And so Jesus came and preached peace to the near, to the near-ish and the far off and he united them together because old, thing, old things may explain us but they no longer define us. And so all of these are, are your story. All of these are, these are things maybe for you of your testimony and, and these things kind of explain us but they no longer define us. Maybe for you, your previous and primary identity before is I'm an American, or this is my race, this is my culture, this is my gender, this is my family, this is our history, and this is our tradition, and that might explain you. Th- those things might make sense for us, and they, they explain who you are, but they no longer define who you are. So now your primary identity is in Christ, which means we are united together, Not not far off, not near, not near-ish, but united together. So our identity in Christ is together. Our allegiance in Christ is together, and we are together in Christ. And this is why Paul says that Christ is then the cornerstone. Paul uses an important language in verse 16. He says, one new man in place of the two. So what he's saying literally in this hostility going on in the church And this division, I mean, this is some of what you see in the book of Galatians of what's going on with the church. They're really divided among who should become like who. And so the Gentiles are coming along and saying, no, 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 you guys need to be like Gentiles. And then the Jews are coming along and saying, no, 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 you need to be like Jews. You need to be physically circumcised, and then you'll be a part of the body of Christ. And I would imagine the Gentiles were like, can we just fact check that really quick before we like step into that kind of commitment? Can we make sure of that? So Paul comes along in the midst of this division in many of his writings, in many of his letters, and he says, no, 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 no. You all need to be in Christ. Both the circumcised, the uncircumcised over here. You both together need to come in Christ, a new man. And so this is an issue of identity, that their identity and our identity is no longer uncircumcised Gentile. It's no longer circumcised Jew. It is in Christ, reconciled together as a new man. So there's this new group. There's, there's a new category, and there's a new people called Christians, those being in Christ. Amen. And so if Jesus is at the center of, and the Gentiles come to Jesus, and the Jews come to Jesus, they are brought near. It's not come to you, come to me, or I come to you. It's they are brought near in their relationship with Jesus. And so he is our peace. Jesus is our peace. In his flesh, when he died on the cross and was resurrected, he has made both groups one and has broken down the dividing wall between us. In verse 20, Paul uses the word cornerstone, which refers to the first and most important stone laid in a new building. And the proper placement of a cornerstone ensures a straight and level foundation. So what's then built upon that is firmly planted. And I remember when I was a little kid, about uh, nine or 10 years old, and my dad got the great idea to build shed, and I thought, man, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to build a shed with my dad, Oh, tools, and, and we're going to build this. And, and my dad's not a very detailed guy, so I thought, man, my ADD brain is like, I get to swing a hammer, and this is going to be awesome. And, and it took us hours upon hours where he wanted to make sure that the foundation was built. The rest was built up quickly, but the foundation was very intentional, I just remember one, one corner specifically that he just kept working at. He kept making sure that it was put together intentionally, straight and level to make the foundation secure. And it drove me nuts, but this was critical to a firm foundation. And what this tells us is that our unity together is not built upon ourselves, but it's built upon the finished work of Jesus. It comes both from the straight And level when we are centered in Christ. And so remember, you and I were not saved by what we do. You were not saved by what you do or who you are on your own. You are saved by who he is and what he has done. That's how we are saved. And so our definition of others, of one another, and our view of others is based on who they are in Christ because he is the cornerstone upon which we are built. And this is the thing. I really believe, church, that our, our thinking, our definition of one another, our view of one another needs to change. It needs to not be on a physical level. You know, I often joke of the story when someone comes in and they're like, oh man, did you know they used to sell me drugs? And I never got the part of the humorous joke that I kept making. You used to buy drugs from them. Like, that was the piece I kind of missed of the story, but realizing we all have a part where we need to realize without Christ, we're all a wreck. And so our definition of one another, our view of one another needs to be based on Christ in them. Our judgment of others and judging rightly needs to be upon Christ in them. And so, by Christ being the cornerstone, he builds a firm foundation, which then also, Paul says, gives us access to the Father. Now, think about this for a moment. Think about this wall that existed before Christ was here and the difference between us and God. So, God is creator, we are created. God is holy, we are sinner. God is unlimited, and we are very limited. This is what really exists, our identity. God didn't change, we changed, we chose sin, we chose to be at war with God, and this is what existed before Christ with the wall of hostility. And so we had sinned against God, and the result is there, there's hostility and, and, and all of this between us and God. And so some of you are even thinking, as I, I maybe mention this, I don't feel that way. I've never felt that way. It's because you're not the victim, You're not the victim. See, the offended party's always the one who's hostile. The offender doesn't seem to think that it's a problem, but the offended knows that there is a problem. And in our relationship with God, he's the offended party. Without Christ, before Christ, there is a wall of hostility that separated us from God, because we sinned against God. This is even what the psalmist says in Psalm 51.4, against you and you only have I sinned. Psalmist understands it's against you, God, there is a wall because of my sin, and we are all sinners by nature and choice before Christ before our identity is in Christ. And we've rebelled against God. We've declared war against God. And God, who is holy, has a serious problem with us. And if he didn't have a problem with us and our sin, he would cease to be holy. But a holy God can have nothing to do with this. And so the incredible question that that maybe some ask not having Christ as their identity is how is this relationship gonna be reconciled? We can't change ourselves and we can't save ourselves. And so Paul says later in verse 18 that we have access in one spirit to the Father. And notice the basis of our access, that it's in and by the one spirit. Notice to whom we have access, the Father. We have access directly to the Father. We have the privilege of direct access to him, not to his, his assistant, not, not to write notes down and bring to him, we have direct access to him in Christ. So who grants the access here? Who opens the door? It's Jesus. It's Jesus who gives us access through the Holy Spirit. So what that means is that in Christ, there is no front of the bus, there's no back of the bus, there's no first class or second class or, or last class for Christianity. God is a father who loves us all of his kids, equally, no matter the race, the color, the background, all of those in Christ, he loves all of us equally. And he places the Holy Spirit in each of us and we have equal access to our father, to our dad, our heavenly dad. So there's no wall of hostility for those in Christ. God has broken down the wall of hostility in Christ. So, we both individually and corporately, as the church, have the wonderful privilege of peace and reconciliation with God and access to Him as Father. As Father. I was talking with my brother yesterday, and I was asking him, um, you know, just what was the last thing you remember um, before Tuesday morning? You know, about four thirty, a.m. What was the last thing you remember? And he said, Monday, Monday night, I couldn't really sleep. Decided to go up and sleep on the couch on the main floor. And uh, so I kneeled down at the couch. Because my, my brother is someone who's totally wrestled with God. He wrestles with God a lot. He really loves the church. But we grew up in a very religious kind of Community and, and, and do more and do better. And so as you hear me say those things, those are at the core of my learning the gospel, that, that there's a lot of things we had to unlearn as kids. And for him, he just feels like he's not quite there of being a man of God. And, and he's not really loving as God's called him to love. And he felt convicted of that. And so he kneeled down at the couch uh, Monday night and he said, God, test me. God, would you test me? And would you would you walk me through learning to be a man of God and loving my family and loving your church better? And you know how this week has been. And then sitting in the hospital room, he said, I think next time I'll just ask God for a Snickers. <laughs> I said, or at least just text me so I know what you're asking God to do. So I can be a little more prepared. Here's the thing, God's desire is of that, that we seek him, that we press into him, and that we, that we get up and move, not, not in the answer, not, okay, I have my answer, so I'll get up and move, but get up and move in him. This is the God that we have access to in Christ, through Christ, that we are no longer far off and separated, but we are brought near, being reconciled by Christ, our cornerstone, and called his body, called Christ's body. So we're together, we are together. We move in him and towards him in relationship. This is the God that we have access to, where we can come before God and say, test me, use me, move me, teach me. This is the God that we have access to, who has broken down the wall of hostility in Christ, our advocate, and in our identity. Let's pray.